We're going to be in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and the title of my message is Priorities for Living a Godly Life. I can remember when my parents were teaching me as I was growing up, they would emphasize godly priorities, being in the Word of God, spending time in prayer and all these different things. They'd emphasize these priorities and, and began to try to teach me how to live my life in that way. And I've also had uh, friends and, and mentors along the way who have, have emphasized godly priorities to me. And I've been so grateful for that. Uh, it's so important to have godly priorities in your life because it enables you to draw close to the Lord and to enjoy His presence and to live for Him in an effective way. And so uh, Luke, in this scripture, in the book of Acts, is describing some things about Paul and his, his journey back to Jerusalem uh, through these places where he had ministered and served, and he is kind of giving them the last address uh, before he goes to Jerusalem, and he knows that problems are headed for him there, and he tells the Ephesians, I'm not going to see your face again. And so uh, there is a, a sense of the finality of this, of this trip as he's going to these different places, and he's sharing his heart, and he's saying, look, I want you to get these important things uh, and, and don't forget these things because it's important uh, to your walk with God. And so um, each one of us needs to take steps to have those godly priorities in our life and to trust the Holy Spirit uh, to do that through us as we ask Him to. So the title of my message is Priorities for Living a Godly Life. And let's begin reading there in verse 1 of Acts chapter 20. After the uproar was over, Paul sent for his disciples, the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying goodbye, departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and exhorted them at length, he came to Greece and stayed three months. When he was about to set sail for Syria, a plot was devised against him by the Jews, so a decision was made to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, uh, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus from Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. In five days we reached them at Troas where we spent seven days. On the first day of the week we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them and since he was about to depart... The next day, he extended his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the rooms upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on speaking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embraced him, and said, Don't be alarmed, for his life is in him. After going upstairs, breaking bread and eating, Paul conversed a considerable time until dawn. Then he left. They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Then we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, uh, intending to take Paul on board there. For these were his instructions since he was going by land. When he met us at Assos, we took him on board and we came to Mytilene. Uh, sailing from there, the next day we arrived off Chios. Uh, the following day, we crossed over to Samos, and the day after, we came to Miletus. 
For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so he would not have to spend time in Asia because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews, and that I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching it to you in public and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you will ever see my face again. Everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood. I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the message of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who are with me. In every way, I've shown to you that by laboring like this, it's necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. And there was a great deal of weeping by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving the most over his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they escorted him to the ship. Priorities for living a godly life. What are these priorities? Well, the first one I want you to see is that we need to learn God's Word. Learn God's Word. Now, I want you to see they had a hunger for the Word of God. Paul had been at um, Troas for a couple of weeks, and his time was limited. And so the last night before he's leaving, he preached all the way to midnight. How would some of you like that if you came to church on Sunday night and I preached all the way to midnight? <laughs> and then when Eutychus fell asleep and fell out of the window, uh, dead, from the third story, Paul goes down and heals him, and then he goes back, and he continues to converse with them all the way till dawn, and then he goes. So he preaches all night. You know what I know? Most Baptists wouldn't endure that. <laughs> Most Baptists would. And can I tell you something? I think uh, we have seen, I understand that in Spurgeon's day, preachers used to preach for two hours. Did you know that? 
uh, the time has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And people have endured less and less and less and less and less. I, I remember um, in my last church there was a lady uh, named Annie Smith, and she was 103 when I left there. Uh, but she would tell me about these called protracted meetings when she was a little girl. And these protracted meetings would last two weeks. It was a revival meeting. And for two whole weeks, three times a day, people would come out to hear the Word of God. Farmers would leave their fields. Everybody would disrupt their schedules to go and to spend time hearing the Word of God and feeding and being nourished by His Word. Uh, there is a lack of hunger for the Word of God in our nation today. We need to have that hunger for God's Word. Uh, God's Word is what nourishes us spiritually. But I want you to see, look at it, verse 27. Paul says, I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. So, so he's telling the whole counsel of God, the whole, uh, the whole teaching that God wants them to know. Uh, so he emphasizes it again. Then look at verse 32. He's saying, I'm going, and I'm not going to see your face again. But he says, I now commit you to God and to the message of his grace. His grace. Grace is what God gives us, not only what undeserved favor he gives us at salvation, but also the power that we need to live the Christian life. I, I commit you to the word of his grace. I'm not going to be here, but I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit you to God's Word because it has power. Look what he says it will do. It will build you up, and it will give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Do you want to grow in your walk with God? You need to be in God's Word. You need to be learning the Scripture. Um, you say, well, Pastor, I don't understand it. That's okay. God will speak to you through what you do understand, amen? And he will grow you as you ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you read the Word of God. And God will begin to teach you and grow you spiritually. Uh, and he, there's something about the Word of God. The Bible says the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides apart to the soul and spirit and exposes our hearts. There's something about God's Word that has the power to cut through all the nonsense in our life and get down to what's important and what we need. And so... Uh, Paul says, I'm committing you to this word. He says, I know there's wolves coming. There's trouble coming. I, I see it on the horizon. And, and he says, but I know that God is able to sustain his church through his word. So I commit you to that. Um, so we need to learn God's word. It's such an important priority in the Christian life. Uh, some of you may not have a quiet time with God. You might start setting a, a goal for five minutes a day. Others of you may feel led by the Spirit to extend that time to 15 minutes or maybe 30 minutes. But, but you spend that time seeking God's face. Did you know you can't really hurry God? God speaks in His own time. Sometimes I think there needs to be times where we get aside with God and we just let Him do what He wants to do in our heart in an unhurried way. Uh, but make sure you spend time learning God's Word. That's the first priority. I want you to see... The second priority is to share our faith. Share our faith. Look at verse 21. 
I testified or I witnessed to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I told them about how to be saved. I shared with them what Jesus had done in my life. He testified. He was a witness to them. Did you know we're called as God's people to share our faith? And it's not just for the benefit of other people. It is for their benefit. But it's also for our benefit. Did you know you will grow when you share your faith? When you share your faith, you will have questions that people ask you. And guess what you'll do? You'll go back to this book and you'll try to find the answer. You'll grow. You, you, when you face opposition and, and somebody um, maybe doesn't treat you the way they should, which, by the way, that doesn't happen all that often when you talk to somebody respectfully. But it will happen occasionally. But when that happens, you will go to God's Word to find encouragement. You see, you will grow. It will be a growth experience for you. And when you have the joy of leading somebody to Christ for the first time, that is exciting. <laughs> and you get to know that God used you to make a difference in that person's life forever. You ever think about that? When you share Christ with somebody, whether you're planting the seed, giving that first statement about Christ, maybe something he's done in your life, or whether you're watering that, you're praying for that person, you're investing in that person's life, or whether you're the person that gets the harvest, wherever you are on that continuum, as you minister trying to reach people for Jesus Christ and sharing your faith, you are part of the work of God, and God will grow you through that. And so Paul says, I didn't shrink to, to, to testify to you about this message. And um, as we witness for Christ, we will see God work in our hearts to help us grow. Isn't it interesting? Paul mentions this to them as he's giving them this last statement. You say, well, Paul's saying he did it. What do, you, what do you mean? No, he's sharing with them. He's reminding them that he did it so that they can continue to do it. Amen? He's leaving. Who's going to share the gospel when he's gone? He's saying, listen, this is what I've done. This is what I'm holding out to you as a priority. So make sure you share your faith. Did you know you don't have to be eloquent to share your faith? Did you know you don't have to know a lot to share your faith? I heard one person say, witnessing is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that good? That's all you're doing. Just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Listen, Jesus changed my life. I sure would like for you to know him too. <laughs> and you share how they can know him. Uh, Jesus died and rose. And the Bible says we respond to him through repentance, turning from our sin, make a choice to turn from our sin, and putting our trust in his promise to forgive us as we ask him to. That's the gospel. But I've told you in that sentence. That's the gospel. God wants us to share it with other people. Will you share the good news? Share your faith with other people. God will grow you through it. Priorities for living a godly life. What are they? First of all, learn God's word. Secondly, share your faith. Thirdly, put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. Paul is describing that he's going to Jerusalem. He's not really sure what all is going to happen there. 
But he says, he says, this I do know, look at verse 23, except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Now, would that discourage you from going on to Jerusalem? It might give me pause. Now, I, I, I hope that I would be obedient to God and that I would do what I was, was called to do. In my heart, I hope that I would. But Paul says, look at, look at what he says in verse 24. He says, I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. You know what Paul's saying? Jesus comes before my own safety. Jesus comes before my own health. Jesus comes before my own comfort. Jesus comes before my opportunity to do leisure activities. Jesus comes before it all. And the chief consuming priority of my life is that I can do what Jesus wants me to do. Is that not amazing? That's the priority that God wants us to have, to put Jesus first. The sad thing is, all of us at some time have not put Jesus first. But many of us, most of the time, do not put Jesus first. You know how I know this? We don't have a quiet time. Well, preacher, I don't have time to have a quiet time. Do you have time to watch your favorite TV program? Do you have time to go play golf? Do you have time to fish? Do you have time? The question is not whether you have time. The question is, are you making it a priority? Are you putting Jesus first? People come to church when it's convenient, when they don't have something else to do. Well, I'll give Jesus a token attendance once in a while but I'm not going to put him first in my life. I'm sharing from the heart. Now, I'm not a legalist. I want you to understand that. I'm not a legalist. There may be a time where you miss church for a legitimate reason. But what I'm saying is, is Jesus first in your life? If it's the exception, great. You know, uh, you're under grace. You're not under law, and you're not under what the preacher asked you to do. Okay, let's just get that straight. Some of you think I may be picking on you. I'm just trying to share my heart with you, okay? You're under grace. You make that decision under grace. But be careful because sometimes laxity in church attendance is an indicator of where our priorities lay. And and if you come to church once in a while rather than regularly, that's a problem. You need to know that. Is Jesus first in your life? Here's something else. When you have conversations with other people, are you embarrassed to bring up the name of Jesus? And does it keep you from sharing openly who you are? I went to visit a husband and wife one day uh, who I knew had been in, in church at, at one time. And, uh, but I asked him about their soul. And, and I was talking to the wife, and I said, well, 
is your husband, is he a Christian? She said, I don't know. Can I tell you something? If we're that closed mouths about our relationship with God, Jesus isn't first in our life. Is Jesus first? Another way you can tell if Jesus is first is with giving, but I'm getting ready to talk about that, so I'm not going to go down that road. So, put Jesus first in your life. Now, you say, well, well, pastor, if Jesus is not first, how do I get him to be the first priority? Because let's face it, I mean, we can say whatever we want to say our priorities are, but really, God knows our heart, right? So, how do I go from a heart that has wrong priorities to a heart that has right priorities? And that's where I must go to God, confess it to him. Lord, I confess my sin against you that you're not first in my life. And I choose uh, to make you first, but I, I know I can't do that on my own. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit of God to fill me and to do that through me. Put Jesus first in my life. And trust him to do that for you. And he'll do that. He'll come alongside you and help you. I know because I've, I've been there. I've been in that situation before myself. Put Jesus first. So our priorities for living a godly life. Learn God's word. Share our faith. Listen to the Spirit. Uh, put Jesus first. I got, um, look, up at, look up at verse 23. I missed the listen to the Spirit. I got carried away with something else. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, verse 23, testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Do you know the Holy Spirit can prepare you for a task? He can warn you. He can guide you. He says, I am bound. Depending on your translation, uh, the verse right before that says, I am bound in the Spirit, capital S, or it may, may say, in my Spirit. could be translated either way, but I think it's probably capital S because the next verse talks about the Holy Spirit, and there's no question it's talking about that. But he says, I am bound in the Holy Spirit, to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit had guided him where he was to go. And so we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, there will be times in your life where you would just have a sense that you need to share Christ with somebody. Or you will have a sense that you need to shut your mouth. I'm speaking testimony here, okay? Have you ever been angry and you just wanted to say something so bad? And that still small voice in your heart says, shut your mouth mouth. That'll keep you out of a whole lot of trouble if you listen to him. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen to him in your relationships and in, in everything that you do. He is your constant companion as a child of God. Don't miss out on the blessing of listening to the Holy Spirit as he impresses upon your heart what you're to do. So uh, our practices for living a godly life, learn God's word, share your faith, Listen to the Spirit, put Jesus first, and finally, give to others. Give to others. Now, Paul says, I've not coveted your stuff. I, you know I've worked with my hands, and, and, and he didn't have to do this, but, but Paul chose in many of the places where he went to be a tent maker, to supplement, because the, a new church really doesn't have the resources to support someone. And so he says, I, I'm working with my own hands so that I can minister to you, and I want you to know that uh, I've done this out of love for you, and I've given this to you as a church. You know my heart. 
Uh, many times Paul was accused of different things uh, after he would leave a church. These false teachers would come in, they'd begin to accuse him. And if you read the book of 2 Corinthians, you see a whole lot of defense Paul has to give for himself because of these false accusations. But he's saying, look, this is what I've done. You've seen my life. You know my example. And I want you to understand uh, that this is what God wants for you as well. God, now, he's not, saying, he's not saying this is a hard, fast rule that every pastor has to do this because elsewhere he says you can make your living from the gospel, that that's, that's what God, God's will is. But uh, what he is saying is it's his will for every believer to be generous. For every believer to be generous, to give to others. And he quotes Jesus. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And he's encouraging them. Now listen, some of you are saying, well, I don't have any money to give. I can't even pay for the stuff I've got. Um, well, I understand that, okay? You give, you give what God leads you to give uh, over and above your tithe, you, you, you do that. And, and that's, that's between you and God. But all of us can give something. It may not be money, but we can give our prayers, can't we? Uh, you know what Paul did? He got down on his knees with these other believers, and they prayed together. Isn't it a blessing to have other believers to pray for you? Um, there's been times I've asked certain of you to, to pray for me. And I've, I've seen a difference in my life when, you, when you've prayed for me. And you've experienced that difference when someone has prayed for you. What a blessing that is. You can give your prayers to somebody. You can give your heart to somebody. Right? What does Paul do? He, said, he says, you know, look at, let's look at what this says here. Um. After he said this, verse 36, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him. That, that's the eastern kiss of greeting. You know, you've seen it on TV. Grieving most of all the statement that the, he would never see his face, they would never see his face again. You can tell that there's love there between Paul and the people. Paul and these other elders that are gathered there too. Um, Elsewhere in, in the book of Thessalonians, Paul says to them, I, 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 minister, I, I had a po- apostolic authority. I could have ruled it over you with my authority, but he said, I became as a babe and as a, someone who's gentle in the midst of you, as a nurse cares for her own child, so I cared for you, ministering to you. He gave them his heart. You know, I'm convinced that most of the world doesn't care all that much about what we know until they know how much we care. And you can give somebody your heart. You can truly care for them, pray for them, uh, reach out to them. And that is a great gift to someone else. I praise God for people that showed love to me along the way. My parents, uh, my youth minister when I was... uh, 11 years old, when I first come to Christ, he took me out and did ministry with me. Uh, other people who, who ministered to me along the way. Uh, that is a great gift. Give your heart to other people uh, in, in, the, in the love of, of Christian friendship. 
and let God minister to them through your life. That's a great gift. But regardless of what you give, you need to have a generous heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's our example. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the priorities that you've given us, Lord. Uh, help us to have these priorities in our lives, to, to learn your word and to put Jesus first and to give to others. And uh, Lord, to listen to the Spirit. And uh, Lord, all of these things help us to come to you when we struggle with not having our priorities straight and to ask for your grace and to trust you.